And welcome to HR After Dark, solving the people problems that keep you up at night. So we have um, a special guest that's back. Um, Sheila Willis is with us. She is an employment and labor attorney with Fisher Phillips. Now, um, if you've listened to the podcast, uh, we actually just recorded yesterday, and now you are back. And so why are you back today, Sheila? Well, uh, Jada, it's because the paid sick leave and uh, emergency FMLA law, commonly referred to as the Families First Coronavirus Response Act, was signed into law by President Trump today. So we're going to talk about those things that seemed hypothetical yesterday that are actually law now. That's correct. So um, my understanding is that there, there were some changes, though, and I want us to do just a quick run through an overview of uh, what uh, what is the law, right? How does this impact employers? So we're going to break it down and talk a little bit more about this emergency uh, FMLA and what that entails, and then also the emergency uh, paid sick leave. So would you like to take us away? Sure, happy to. So the first thing, we'll take these laws separately, but the first thing you should know is that both of them apply to employers with 500 employees or less. And so um, a lot of people, this is going to be new to them, especially small business owners, as you're aware with FMLA that used to have a threshold of 50 employees or more. And heretofore, we've not had any paid sick leave on a federal level. So very, very new thing. So let's take the emergency FMLA leave. So this leave is available to someone who has been employed for at least 30 days and they are entitled to 12 weeks of job protected leave if they are unable to work or telework due to the need to leave for care to a son or daughter who is under the age of 18 whose school or place of um, child care has been closed. So that is going to provide you with 12 weeks of job protected leave, and it's due to the public health emergency. Mm -hmm. So that's a very, very kind of important distinction. And I know that we have, I know that the part of the paid function is that, you know, um, it's full-time employees are eligible for, for two-thirds of the actual employee's regular pay rate. Is that is that correct? Yes, but importantly, that does not kick in until after 10 days. So the first 10 days under the emergency family medical leave is unpaid. But after that, you are correct. It is two-thirds of that employee's wages. And I believe there's a, a threshold where it's $200 per day. Um, or there's, or it's ten thousand dollars, just depending on the aggregate uh, per the employee. Yes, and so um, just like we reported yesterday, how this is going to work, and you bring up a really good point, is how this is going to work is employers are going to get a dollar for dollar social security tax credit for the amounts that they pay out in either of these leaves. And so what, especially under the family medical leave, to your point, there are caps to it per employee. So $200 per day or $10,000 in the aggregate for the employee during the duration kind of of this leave. And so it's very important to kind of keep track of those, the amounts that you're paying, because you are going to be able to get a tax credit with 
the social security taxes that you pay quarterly. That's a good point that we pay quarterly. Okay. Um, and again, this is really also focused on job protection. So say an employee, um, then, then, you know, is done or has completed taking care of their child, right? They're able to return back to, um, a daycare and or school. Um, are they able to then receive their position, um, back with their, their current employer? So, in general, yes, but there are some exceptions. If the employer has less than 25 employees, then that employer is not required to um, give them their job back unless, um, or not unless, but if the employer can demonstrate that, you know, they had to eliminate the position due to economic factors, and there's a couple of other reasons. So, Generally, it's a protected place, but employers that have less than 25 employees may have some flexibility there in the event that, I mean, let's be honest, this is going to have some very significant uh, impact on businesses all over. Small businesses are probably going to be hit the hardest. So there mm -hmm. is some, some relief there, it, you know, to the extent that you can call position elimination relief. Right. And, and we are starting to see that. I know that, you know, some of our, our friends, our neighbors, um, just some local small businesses are already starting to, you know, lay off employees and also, um, honestly just, just close at this time. So, um, now I, I, one question, we're getting actually a lot of different questions and towards the end we'll have more of an FAQ, but I guess if a business has uh, shut down currently, do they have to actually, you know, go back and offer this, this paid leave to their employees? Well, so that's a very unique question um, because the act specifically defines employees. Now, I will say the act does not say whether it's retroactive or not. So to the extent that employers have taken actions with regard to their employees, Prior to this law, and I'll say that even though the law was signed today, it's not going to be effective for 15 days on or about April 2nd. So if employers have already taken some actions with regard to employees, it's not going to be retroactive. However, if you are a business that is closed, but you still have employees, you may still have to provide this information. So it really is when you are making these very important decisions about your business and the steps that you're going to take, it's really important to consider all the different variations and what might um what might occur depending mm -hmm. on the decisions that you make. No, that makes sense. And I think that that's a time where that's a very specific question. And I wouldn't want a business owner um, or a leader going through that alone. I would recommend uh, partnering with an employment attorney like yourself and or an HR consultant um, such as Willis HR. But I, I really would want um, that to be a discussion and us to talk through those scenarios and how to navigate that properly and, and uh, hopefully maintaining compliance as well. Um, so I know the other, the second part of this that's more impactful to the employer base is in regards to emergency paid sick leave. Now this is very new, uh, probably, well to all of us really, but this is very new. So tell us a little bit more about emergency paid sick leave. So, you know, paid sick leave is something that has been on trend in the country, um, but 
it's a slow it's been a slower trend but now we're we're we're, we're rushing here. we're here, we're here. now yep. we're here now with paid sick leave but it's really important to know this paid sick leave has got a couple of different ways that it's activated but essentially this provides up to 80 hours of sick leave for an employee now the way the way in which they would take the sick leave or to qualify this um, there are six different categories if the person is subject to quarantine or isolation under federal, state, or local order, that's one. Two, if the employee has been advised by a healthcare provider to self-quarantine due to concerns related to COVID-19. Three, if the employee is experiencing symptoms of COVID-19 and is seeking medical diagnosis. Emphasize seeking medical diagnosis. Okay. All right, and then four, if the employee is caring for an individual who is subject to an order or self-quarantine as described above. Now, I will note that it specifically says individual. It does not have particular carve-outs for that employee's relationship to an individual mm -hmm. like your traditional FMLA might have. Um, five, the employee is caring for a son or daughter if their school or child care location is closed or unavailable, or if the employee is experiencing any other substantially similar condition specified by the uh, HHS department. That's kind of the catch-all provision. So if an employee falls into one of those six categories, then they are entitled to up to 80 hours of paid sick leave. Now that pay is at two thirds of their their salary or their their wages. Their wages, okay. And so, and also, I, I found it to be interesting that um, full time and part time employees are eligible for paid uh, sick leave. So I think that that is a, an important thing to to notate as well. You're absolutely right. So then, um, just in looking at this, and I know that this is going to be a question, and I think, you know, we're just, we're getting this information and doing the interpretations, but I've also read that um, that 10 days, you know, from the initial emergency FMLA, there's a 10, day, 10 days of unpaid leave. Well, I think that we can utilize these this 80 hours of time and apply it to those 10 days. And so... <laughs> I want to I want to pause there and get your opinion on that. So yes, that you can use the eighty hours in the first ten days of the sick leave. Now I will say, um, as many people are going through this and as we're digesting it, we can all think of very unique situations for our particular businesses. One thing that is in the law is that it. Um, mandates that the Department of Labor is going to issue some more guidance within the next 15 days as to how these things work together, how they can be applied. Um, you know, sometimes for employers that may have less than 500 employees, but they have a couple of different businesses together, how do you count to get to see if you have 500 or less? How do you, maybe you want to get to 500 or more. A There's really a lot point. of different moving parts yes. to this that apply to a wide range of businesses. So it's really important 
to know that we'll get some guidance on this, but you know, kind of initial reactions, you can use that paid sick leave. Now, I will say that if the employee already has paid sick leave time, mm -hmm. the employer cannot require that that person use their paid sick leave before this new paid sick leave goes into place. The employee has the option, but it mm -hmm. cannot be a requirement that they use that. And thank you for mentioning that. We actually, so um, I, I don't know if Steve from Lexington is listening, but that was that was really more around his question. And um, he phrased it more of, you know, can, can employees double dip, right? Can employees stack time? And so I think that you were able to answer that question really to the best of our ability right now. And also that we're going to receive other guidance um, from the Department of Labor on what are some of those parameters and what does that look like um, from the employee base as well. And one of the other things that I will note um, with the paid sick leave is that when we're looking at this, just know, whereas with the emergency FMLA leave, we're likely looking at a chunk of time, a solid 12 weeks. But with the emergency sick leave, that is looking at more of an hourly basis. So you want to be thoughtful about what that practically looks like, because that may not be just two weeks worth of pay. That's that right. could be an employee, excuse me, taking a week here for because one of their kids is, you know, their school's closed, but then they get childcare coverage the next couple weeks. But then maybe a month from now or two months ago, then they contract COVID-19 and they want to use that sick leave later. So it's not necessarily a continuous block of 80 hours. So when you're thinking about your record keeping in mm -hmm. terms of this and how you're tracking that, that's also something to be thoughtful about. I think it's a really good point because that differs from the emergency, you know, FMLA um, act. And I think we need to think about just from an employer standpoint, being flexible, right? Having, we're going to have to, we're forced really to move into more of that flexible mindset and just reacting to what COVID-19 has done just to our, our country and our society. Uh, another thing that I, I really wanted to emphasize is the fact that this really, this law goes into effect, um, around April 2nd, right? 2020, and really, it's sunset. It, it expires December 31st, right, of 2020. Yes. So this is not something that is, you know, definite, that we're going to see this in, you know, 2021. I mean, I can't make any promises, but according to the, the law that was just passed, April 2nd to December 31st. And I wanted to emphasize that, that aspect as well. Yes, but like all acts of Congress, if they <laughs> want to extend it, they can. I think this is a very fluid um, topic. And then the one other thing that I'll mention when we talk about this is people ask, well, what happens if I don't do this? What happens if I violate it? Yes. So um, for the unpaid sick leave, that violation is considered to be a failure to pay the minimum wages under the Fair Labor Standards Act. And so those damages look like whatever that person's wages were supposed to be, then they can, they're entitled to liquidated damages, which would be double damages. They also are entitled to their attorney's fees and costs. So wow. failing to okay. pay this could be a very costly um, endeavor. So, you know, again, as you're making plans, as you're thinking through all this, because obviously you're not looking at this with tunnel vision. Employers are making very, very large, holistic business decisions. Make sure that you are factoring that kind of stuff in. 
Man, that's that's a really good advice, and I I certainly appreciate that. Even as a as a business owner, and many of our clients, just trying to understand what this means, and that's why it's so important that this isn't a podcast you just listen to even in your car. I appreciate it, but I think you're going to have to listen to it even you know one or two times just because this is a lot of information you know to absorb. It is a lot, and you know going back to the enforcement piece, I do want to make sure. That not only do you will you be in violation if you don't give it, if you terminate someone or discriminate against them in any way for seeking to use this type type of leave, that is also going to be um, a violation and subject you to enforcement, either from the Department of Labor or from a private lawsuit. And I have already seen plaintiffs attorneys attorneys that represent employees already you know posting things on social media are you have you been terminated are you oh wow so they're already they're already preparing for this because there's just a large amount of people that are just impacted by this and there are very watchful plaintiffs attorneys looking to see to make sure employers are doing right by their employees and following the laws okay and i think this is a good time just to transition to just we 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 don't have a time for all the questions um that we've received even from our last podcast but we do have time for a few few questions and so i know that Steve in Rock Hill, he has 30 employees, and he was asking more about how, is there any way that he can, um, well, apply for an exemption is really what he's trying to ask. He wants to, quote unquote, get out of this. And so, is there any way that there is uh, an exemption for employees of maybe a certain size, or is there a process that small businesses can go through if they're just unable to to pay for this paid time off or pay um, the emergency uh, FMLA. Yeah, so with the emergency FMLA and the paid sick leave, um, if the uh, business has less than 50 employees, then they can seek a waiver from the Department of Labor for these. Now, it's not clear how to do that yet, Um Hopefully, we'll be get in the guidance that we get from the Department of Labor. There'll be a form or a process to submit for that. But if there is an exemption that is requested, an employer can do that. That's okay. Thank you. And so it doesn't mean that we don't make the preparations to prepare to um, ensure that we are in, are in compliance. Um, but hopefully, we get some more direction and, and clarification prior to April second. Uh, that's what I'm hearing, and it's going to come down from the Department of Labor. So thank you so much for that. And then um, we have we have Sharon out of Lexington, and uh, they really want to understand who who is responsible for paying this, so paying for the emergency um, FMLA time and then also the paid sick time, and then is there anything that they can do to get reimbursed? So kind of as we discussed earlier, we'll, we'll hit the who's responsible for paying it. It's the employer. The person who's employing the person is responsible for paying this. Um, and as we kind of mentioned earlier, the employer's reimbursement avenue, if you will, is going to be a dollar-for-dollar credit in your Social Security tax payment. And those are done quarterly. Now, a thing that you want to be thoughtful about, and we were talking, um, I was talking with a client about this today, is how do you pay your Social Security taxes? So let's say you have a payroll company and they go ahead and they just take 
that social security tax money, they collect that every time they run your payroll and they just kind of keep it in a bucket for you and then they pay your stuff quarterly. What are they going to do now? Are they still going to be collecting that from you? Are they going to wait? Are they going to be responsible for the credit? So you really want to be kind of on top of that relationship and that situation so you're figuring out how that works because this is going to create, this may be a cash flow issue for a lot of businesses to pay this um, and then you're going to be reimbursed when you go do this several months from now. I think that that may be the probably the initial thought or concern is just helping small businesses understand um, that this is the immediate cash flow uh, possible concern um, if, if employees elect to use, utilize these benefits, but then they, they will be reimbursed. And so I guess I'm speaking to this as I'm speaking to my clients as well as me as a business owner and understanding what my you know, obligations are as well. Um, now we, we do have several other questions, but we just only have time for really one more and it kind of encompasses, I know what probably a lot of listeners are thinking about and they're thinking about the schools are closed statewide, right? So we have a lot of folks that are working from home right now. And, um, I know that maybe productivity looks a little bit different whenever you have a, a, a toddler, uh, that's running around you in circles, and uh, I've seen all the memes online as well. And so, I guess, what does this look like whenever um, individuals are staying at home? So, parents are staying at home, caring for their children, but then they're also maybe not able to work like a full time schedule. I guess, what advice would you give? Would they would they qualify for uh, the paid sick leave, or would they qualify for the emergency FMLA? So under the way that it's written, you would qualify under either of those. And it would be up to the employee to elect which one that they wanted to take. Um, and obviously that's going to be with, you know, any type of leave, that's going to be an interesting decision for the employee to try and make because mm -hmm. both of these leaves are only going to compensate you at two-thirds what your salary is versus if you're trying to tough it out, you might get to pay, uh, you might get your full pay. So that would be something if they're having to take care of that. Now, uniquely, it does say if you are unable to telework. Telework. So if the person is teleworking, there's a question there of whether they are really qualified under either of these provisions because if they are at home working, that means they can telework. That's a really good point. So employers are providing um, the ability to work from home. And so then, so my recommendation then even to clients is understanding that there may be some flexibility there that you may need to provide. And that's where whenever you, you, you employ more of uh, consistent communication, um, making sure, you know, you're doing check-ins, uh, video chats, that sort of thing, so that you are able to uh, just connect, stay engaged with your employee base, and be understanding. And maybe even that employee can, can give you their set schedule um, whenever there is another individual in the house that, that could actually care for their child. Um, so this is, there's so much information. This is literally breaking news. And I'm so glad that you are here able to just give us the additional legal update and insight 
Um, so if you have additional questions, I know that there are going to be unique scenarios that come up. Please reach out to Sheila Willis, um, again, an employment and labor attorney with Fisher Phillips. And uh, my name is Jada Willis, and I am the CEO of Willis HR. And so we have HR consultants that are also available, working extended hours just to support the additional need that we have and additional questions that we have as well. So um, Sheila, is there anything else that you want to share or provide our listeners at this time? No, I just want to say thank you guys for listening and um, just keep keep good spirits. This is a unique time, a trying time in our nation. And while it's difficult in so many ways, it's also been great to see how people are coming together and trying to help each other out. So try and find the positive in the things that are going on. Thanks so much. And please have stay safe. Have a good night.